Good morning, everyone. Don't you love the worship team? Doesn't matter who it is, they lead us very, very well in singing praises to the Lord. And it's a joy to be able to be a part of what goes on. And thank you for being so flexible and adaptive. Uh, sorry, Tony's not here. I hope that he's relishing in the victory that that football team that doesn't even have a name from Washington beat my undefeated, previously undefeated Steelers last week. I hope that makes him feel a lot better. Doesn't make me feel real good, but I hope it makes him feel better. Uh, we are in the middle of a series during the Christmas season. Started out two weeks ago with Zachariah, last week was Mary, and we're following that up now with the shepherds. And I was glad when Tony told me the uh, topic that he had intended for today, that it was the shepherds. It's one of my favorite parts of the Christmas story. So let's look to the Lord in prayer and commit this time to him, and then we'll follow the shepherds. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for the joy of this season that no one or no thing can take away from us. Thank you so much that our trust is totally in you. And no matter what comes along, that trust is always justified. We thank you for that. And we thank you now for what is in front of us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning we are going to be following the shepherds. I'd like to ask you to turn to Luke chapter 2 and keep your Bibles or devices open to Luke 2, 8 through 20. I won't put those verses back up on the screen. I will put some other ones on there, Lord willing, but if you have that handy, I'll be making a lot of reference to this story. In the year 1224, inspired by the sight of shepherds tending their flocks in the moonlight, Sir Francis of Assisi asked a wealthy friend from Great Show, Italy, to help him construct a live manger scene. And as far as we know, that was the first one ever. The idea caught on. By the 15th century, nativity scenes proliferated in monasteries and churches throughout southern Europe. Today, manger scenes, often complete with shepherds, are almost everywhere. The shepherds, who would have thought? So first of all, let me ask a question. Why the shepherds? And what do you visualize when you think of the shepherds? People visualize a lot of things. Sometimes we look at the shepherds and think that it wouldn't be a Christmas card complete without the shepherds on it, or a nativity scene, or, or whatever it may be. They're heroes to us today in many respects, but not then. Why the shepherds? Let me clear up one thing at the outset too. It has nothing to do with Gail and Elsie. They weren't even there then. They didn't come along for a few more years after that. Don't tell Elsie I said that, okay. <laughs> but we can't help but wonder why the angel would single out the shepherds to give them the good news before absolutely anybody else was notified. Why did the shepherds scoop everybody else in society? Surely there were better choices. There were many others around who were more important than the shepherds. And in fact, they were much more religious than the shepherds were as well. So when we think in terms of the shepherds, we think in terms of these gentlemen on this hillside, peaceful, tranquil, 
quiet, beautiful pastoral scene with these gentle souls who are there. But again, that was not the way that it was at that time. Shepherds were among the lowest paid of the working classes. And in some ways, they were social outcasts as well as religious misfits. They were considered untrustworthy. Their work made them ceremonially unclean. They couldn't even come into the temple. In the Talmud, we learn that the shepherds were not even allowed in the courts as witnesses. They had absolutely no respect from the people of that time. And yet, despite all of that, they were chosen by God to be among the first people to see the baby Jesus. Why would that be? Well, it's obvious that God tells us all over his word that he doesn't play favorites. God doesn't show favoritism. He doesn't fawn over the rich and famous the way that people do today. He's not concerned about just the celebrities. He uses the irregulars and the discards of this world. He uses weak and insignificantly seeming people just like ourselves to accomplish his will through them. Some great verses tell us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. You can see on the screen, and I think we're working well, so beautiful equipment that we have. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26, Paul says to the Corinthians, for consider your calling, brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. That word's translated influential in the NIV. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. And it goes on to say, God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Now those few short verses included in them so many times telling us that when you compare us with the rest of the world and when the rest of the world is looking at us, we're nothing to them. You see some of the words that are underlined and were underlined in the previous slide. Not many, not many, not many, not many of us are anything special to the world, but all of us are special to God. So why the shepherds? That's one of God's ways of saying, look at these insignificant seeming people that you've thrown away in society. They don't fit, but I love them just like I love all the other people that the world will say they aren't anything at all. But there's another reason why the shepherds may have been chosen. Near Bethlehem, on the road to Jerusalem, there was a tower. The tower was known as Migdal Eater. I mentioned this a couple years ago at Christmas time, that Migdal Eater, or the watchtower of the flock, it was a very significant place. This was a station where the shepherds watched the flocks destined to be sacrificed in the temple. Again, Bethlehem was not far from Jerusalem and these hills were not far from Jerusalem. And this tower was a significant place for the shepherds. This one is beaten down. They were taller than this, but it was a good watchtower. The sacrificial sheep raised here in these pastures and looked out for from Migdal Eater. Something that's very significant. It was a firm conviction among the Jews that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. 
Most of you know this prophecy in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It's very familiar this time of the year. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from old, from ancient days. A great prophecy. It literally means from days of eternity. God from eternity past understood exactly what was going to happen, brought it all about. The Messiah, the Lord Jesus himself, would be born in Bethlehem. But that's not all. There was an equally firm conviction among some that he was to be revealed from Migdal Eder. That watchtower that we just mentioned. Where do we get that from? That's in Micah also. Micah chapter 4 verse 8. And it says, and you, and note these words, O tower of the flock, hill of the daughter of Zion, to you it shall come. The former dominion shall come, kingship for the daughters of Jerusalem. And so for the people of that time, it was very, very significant that the shepherds would be involved because Jesus was supposed to be born in Bethlehem and revealed by the tower at Migdal Eder. What a beautiful significance that Christ was revealed to shepherds watching the flocks destined for sacrifice themselves. And so the ultimate shepherd himself, the my shepherd, of Psalm 23, the good shepherd of John 10, the great shepherd of Hebrews 13, the chief shepherd of 1 Peter 5 was revealed to common shepherds. The shepherds that we're going to follow this morning in three areas, very briefly. Three areas, and I want to dwell particularly on the first one because of where we live today and what's going on in our world today. I think that it would speak very much to, to us as we examine this. First of all, we find, as we're following the shepherds, we find fear relieved. We find fear relieved. And if you look at verse 14, you'll see that very clearly. In verse 14, uh, where the, the fear is going to be relieved. They were not going anywhere until they dealt with their sudden fear. And they had good reason to be afraid, or so it seemed, because it tells us, according to verses 8 and 9, they were filled with fear. The NIV says they were terrified. The King James says they were sore afraid. We don't talk that way today, but it doesn't sound good, does it? But there are two words involved here in the original language. One of the words you see on the screen is the word megas. That means big, exceedingly great, high, large, mighty. There's another word though, another part of the word, and that's the word phobeo, from which we get our word phobia. It means to be frightened or alarmed. Put those two words together, megas and phobeo. It means that what's going on now is big time alarm. It is somebody that is very much afraid. They weren't just a little bit startled. They were very afraid. And it wasn't just the angel that terrified them, but that would have been enough. Angels we read in the scriptures oftentimes would cause people to fall down on the ground in terror. Uh, there was an angel who was involved, but there was also the visible manifestation of the glory of God. And that visible manifestation of the glory of God must have been something. What was it? What was the glory of the Lord? Well, 
I look at it as a superb light show. It says the glory of the Lord shone around them, a dazzling specter of light, unlike anything that they'd ever seen before. Infinitely better than a meteor shower, better than the northern lights or fireworks or all of those things put together. We had an angel come before them. We had the glory of the Lord dazzling them. No wonder they were afraid. But God's angel had good news of great joy. The news would calm them then and calm us forever. If you look at verse 10 for just a moment again, verse 10, and the angel said to them, fear not. Why not? For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel, not just one angel now, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. What a great, great story if you can picture, I don't know if you're imaginative, but if you go back then at that time and put yourself in that place and we've got an angel, we've got the glory of God, now we've got the heavenly host giving us the best news possible. A savior had been born, the Christ, the long-awaited Messiah, the Lord, God himself. And this message was unto you, it says, very personal, unto you. You shepherds, you're the first ones who are going to get it. And now, since then, it's come down to us as well. Part of that good news was that they didn't have to be afraid. Now, interesting in verse 10, the word for joy is the Greek word kara. You have that on the screen. It means calm delight or literally great joy. The shepherds went from great fear to great joy. That's a pretty big swing. Great fear to great joy. Maybe that's where you and I need to go this morning. From great fear or any kind of fear to great joy. Let me ask you a probing question of what are you afraid? this morning of what are you afraid some of you will say I don't fear anything I'm not afraid of anything at all um, and I'm not I don't get anxious over things uh, I get a little concerned uh, but I'm, I'm not really afraid of anything but when I ask the question of what are you afraid now if something popped into your mind it's very very possible that that's a very serious thing that goes very very far in your life to rob you from that great joy that the Lord would have. Now, if you're thinking of something that you're fearing right now, there's a list of things we're not supposed to fear. And I'm going to see if what you fear is on that list. It's found in Philippians chapter 4, 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Whoops, sorry, that's not a list, is it? Um, but if it were... What you're fearing right now would be on that. Do not be anxious about anything. And it doesn't matter. 
Do you think there are things happening today in our world that cause fear? There certainly are. And that are so obvious, I'm not even going to mention what some of the big ones are. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. What is God saying? He's saying that flicker of anxiety, that flicker of fear has just crossed your mind. What do you do? Do you milk it? Do you meditate on it? No, you pray. It's a very simple solution. Don't be anxious, instead pray. And so anxiety can be a great thing because it causes us to pray, to communicate with God, to remind ourselves we can trust him with all of our hearts and not lean to our own understanding. In all of our ways, we can acknowledge him. He's the one who directs our paths. Now that same message, that same message of not fearing was prevalent throughout the whole Christmas story. Angel of the Lord, twice identified as Gabriel, told Zechariah, who was described as startled and gripped with fear, he was told, do not be afraid. He was told, do not be afraid. Mary, greatly troubled at the angel's words, was told, do not be afraid, Mary. Joseph was told by an angel of the Lord, do not fear to take Mary home to be your wife. And here before us, the shepherds were told the same thing, fear not. So if you read the Christmas story, you don't have to read very far. You'll hear words like this. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Fear not. Fear and joy don't get along well together. And joy belongs in the Christmas story. Fear was forbidden then and now. It's unnecessary for us to be afraid, for us to be anxious. And that same message has been delivered to God's people all through the scriptures and all through the years. That same message is one that I like to, um, I like to put it very simply. And it is, you see it at the bottom of the screen, no fear, God with us. And I mentioned this once before when I was here at this, at this uh, pulpit, that if you look in the scriptures as you're reading through and you see something that says the Lord is with you, Look around somewhere and you'll probably find close by somebody has just been told not to be afraid. Or if you're reading the scriptures and you find where it says don't be afraid, keep looking and you'll probably hear or probably see something written there that the Lord is with you. That's why you don't have to be afraid. I call it no fear, God with us. I have it written in the margin of my Bible over 40 times uh, where it's happened. No fear, God with us. Those two pal around together. And here we have, through the scriptures, through the Christmas story, places like Isaiah, and I'll try to bring this back, we're skipping ahead. When I hit the button, it goes twice or three times, okay. Isaiah, that's because my thumb is really strong. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10 says this, fear not. As soon as I read that, I think somewhere soon it's gonna tell me God's with me, and it doesn't take long. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And Isaiah chapter 43, and I'm, that's not on the screen, let me read that for you. Isaiah 43, 1 to 3. You don't know what that is, but when I read it, you'll recognize it, I'm sure. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. 
When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be harmed, burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And many of you memorize this verse. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Be not frightened and do not be dismayed. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. No fear, God with us. Even in the really tough places. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And here in the Christmas story, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. A message of Christmas in one word, Emmanuel, God with us. And because God is with us, we don't have to be afraid. So we're following the shepherds. We're learning from their story and their situation. We've learned that fear can be relieved. It was for them. Great fear went to great joy because they were told about the Lord Jesus. But very briefly, there's more to that as we're following the shepherds. There's faith revealed and rewarded. The shepherds had been given an indirect command to obey. If you look at verse 12, we don't see a direct command anywhere. We don't see the angel saying, and now it's time for you to get up and go find that baby, but it's implied, it's expected, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. So the shepherds were given that indirect command and maybe off scripture they were given a direct command, but in either case they went to see the Lord Jesus. Now we don't know how many babies were born in Bethlehem that night. Quite probably there were no other babies born in Bethlehem that night. The population is estimated to be as low, some say 300, I've seen that number, most of the time it's somewhere around 3,000, but it can even go up to 20,000. In other words, they don't know, but it's not a huge metropolis. But just to be sure, there probably weren't any other babies born that night that would be wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, which was a feeding trough for cattle. So the shepherds had something to go and to find, and when they found it, they would know that they found it. And I love their reaction in verse 15. It's why I call this faith revealed. Notice they didn't say, let's go see if this thing has happened. They didn't say, let's go check it out. Let's see if this really took place. They said, let's go see this thing that has happened, that the Lord has made known to us. That's faith. Hebrews tells us faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And a real faith works. The shepherds acted in obedience. They put feet to their faith. Did you notice also that they went with haste? It tells us in verse 16. They went with haste to see him. They were in a hurry. Someone has called this the first Christmas rush. A lot different than today's Christmas rushes. But their faith was soon rewarded because they found Jesus according to verse 16. That word found means they found him after a search. 
It wasn't something that was necessarily easy. They had to search for a while, but they found him. It was worth it for them to leave their flocks to go and to hunt for this one that they had been told. They hurried and they found him. That's faith revealed and faith rewarded. So we're following the shepherds. We found that their fear has been relieved. Their faith is revealed and then it's rewarded. And then finally there have, they have findings reported according to verses 17 through 20. Their findings were reported. They couldn't keep it to themselves what they had seen. They shared the good news with others according to what we read there. And that's what joy is for. It's for sharing. They didn't keep it to themselves. How could they? How can we? The good news that should be to all people is only to all people if someone spreads the word. And the shepherds did. I love the story that I read years ago. A missionary doctor in one of China's hospitals cured a man of cataracts. A few weeks later, 48 blind men came to the doctor from one of China's wilds, all holding onto a rope guided by the man who had been cured. He had led them in this way, walking in chain 250 miles to the hospital. He had seen the light, and he wanted others to see it too. Findings reported. We know this story. Our findings are all there, and we want to report that to others. Shepherds couldn't contain the good news, glorifying, praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them, which it always is, just as we've been told by God in his word. Let me encourage all of us today, follow the shepherds. Have your fears relieved, your faith revealed, your findings reported. We've got family, we've got friends, we've got neighbors who need to wonder as the people then wondered at what the shepherds told them. They need to wonder at our zeal. They need to wonder at our peace and our joy and our lack of anxiety. Let's be sure to glorify and praise God to spread the word concerning what has been told to the shepherds and down to us. Years ago, there was an old pioneer he journeyed westward across the Great Plains until he came to an abrupt halt at the edge of the Grand Canyon. He gawked at the sight before him, a vast chasm one mile deep, 18 miles across, stretching out of sight. He gasped, something must have happened here. You think? <laughs> yeah, something must have happened here, it did. As we reflect on the Christmas season, Anyone who stops to consider what's going on with the worldwide celebrations of Christmas has to ask some questions about the joy and the glory. What's it all about? A thoughtful person recalling all the lights that are lit, the decorations, the festivities, the religious services has to conclude something must have happened here. Of course. Something did happen here. We need to tell the world about it. God has visited our planet. His son Jesus Christ came to reveal God and to die for our sins. Yes, something significant did happen. Aren't you thankful for the shepherds 
that God gave that message and told us we can follow the shepherds into some very, very great things, particularly going from great fear to great joy because we know the truth. Heavenly Father, thank you for the shepherds. And thank you for giving to us, each one of us, the message of hope, the message of joy. Thank you so much for all that we have to look forward to as the world is cringing, as the world in many cases is filled with dread, lacking in joy. There are people that they know who can tell them exactly the opposite of what's going on in their lives, that they can have joy and peace, they can have hope, all because of Emmanuel. You are with us. Thank you for the word becoming flesh and living among us and allowing us to behold his glory. The glory is of you yourself. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.